Chapter 7 The Secret of the Sahara Kufara by Rosita Forbes. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 7 A Faulty Guide on a Waterless Way. On December 26th, we made our actual start south. The day's delay in the sandstorm and the further delay with the sick camel had lost us four feeds. We had allowed half a sack of dates night and morning, so now we had only five sacks for the seven days. However, we bought the soldiers' ration for sugar, threw in most of our own, and thus brought it up to nearly the requisite amount of aleph. As for girbas, the utmost the camels could carry was eight large ones, containing five gallons each, and eight smaller, containing four gallons each. We warned our party of sixteen that they must use only an eighth portion of the water each day. We then commended ourselves to Allah and started south at 8.30 a.m. for the weighing and exact distribution of goods, to say nothing of the quarrels between blacks and Arabs, had occupied a couple of hours. There is no route to Tizerbo, as no one ever goes there. In the whole of Jallo, we came across only two people who had visited the oasis. One said that he had gone due south and arrived at the palm trees on the evening of the sixth day. The second was our own sergeant, Maraja, who had passed through Tizerbo on his way north nine years ago, and he had done the journey in six very long marches. Abdullah, our keen-eyed guide with his dark wolf's face lighted by flashes of brilliant white teeth, announced that if we headed straight for Tizerbo in a southwesterly direction, we might go too far west and lose ourselves altogether. He therefore proposed to go south for the first five days within sight of the faint landmarks on the Kufara route, and then turn west. All day long we rode across a burning, desolate waste, flatter than it is possible to imagine or describe. One could see but a few miles on either side. The whole of our world had become a flat, yellow disk reflecting the scorching sun rays and quivering mirage. The only break in the monotony was an occasional camel skeleton. Once a great brown hillock appeared on the edge of the disk, and we thought it might be brushwood or even a caravan, till the distorting waves of mirage danced away and it revealed but a few huddled bones to which some dry brown matter still clung. We ate a hard-boiled egg and a few dates for lunch, but clung to our rule of drinking only morning and evening. As we plodded onwards, for we had agreed that no one should ride the camels unless they were ill or dead beat, Maraja assured me that our journey could not possibly be lucky, for we had failed to fulfill a time-honored Arab custom and slaughter a sheep at Butterfall. It appears that when any member of a caravan visits an oasis for the first time, a feast is made in his honor. As none of our retinue had seen all the oases we proposed to visit, we gathered it would be an expensive journey. To our surprise, the blacks walked all day without grumbling, even stopping, occasionally, to dance and sing. The camel, who had nearly died the previous day, carried her load gaily. She was ridden by Shaitan, said Mohammed gravely, but the spirit of Sidi Idris has cured her. At 5 p.m., Yusuf pointed out the Kalb el Matema, which he said was on the left, but I could see absolutely nothing which looked like a hillock. 
we saw the sun die in the flaming splendor which is the glory of the sahara we marched for an hour or two by cool starlight and then a great orange moon swung up in the east and transformed the desert into a strange silver sea across the infinite pale loneliness plodded our little caravan and as i looked at the white speck which led us i realized why there could be no atheist in the desert man must put his trust in something more powerful and far-reaching than himself in europe if there be no god to help at least there is science and the telephone an express train or an aeroplane in libya where the bedouin cannot call for succor by wireless where there are no signposts to guide no surgeon or mechanic to improve his means of locomotion no food to be bought or picked no anesthetic but death the lonely traveller must pin his faith to some power beyond the calm-faced guide in whose hand apparently lies the fate of his caravan when abdullah met me on the hill beside the clustered palms of Aujela, i looked at his strong keen face lined and shrewd with steady self-reliant eyes and i felt that i could trust him to lead us safely across the waterless sands to an oasis whose size varied according to the imagination of the speaker when i looked across the moonlit speckless waste with never a blade or stone to break the even surface of the disk the tiny plodding figure trailing the end of his white jerd in the dust as his energy waned after eleven hours march without a halt i felt how frail a thing i relied on for my life and seventeen lives besides when we sit in comfortable armchairs under our electric lights and talk of the bedouin instinct we acknowledge the working of a greater power than radium or steam europe may count on a hundred sciences but for libya there can be but one faith one hope allahu akbar we pitched camp at seven thirty p m and an hour later our little cluster of tents was as silent as the calm sands around us on december twenty seventh we rose at six a m and got away by eight for we had decided that the best way of doing the necessary fifty-odd kilometers a day was an unbroken march of eleven or twelve hours with a solid meal before starting and another in the evening as the last groaning camel rose to his feet yusuf pointed out a group of low hillocks to the east those are the hamayat on the road to zigan he said our plump ally was in a reflective mood that day in spite of considerable heat he wore the woolly lined mackintosh closely buttoned and belted with a white cloth wound over his cheeks what is allah's greatest gift to man he propounded to me suddenly i felt this was a test of my faith in islam so i promptly replied the koran he looked at me scornfully the camel if there were no camels here there would be no dates no food nothing he paused and added solemnly if there were no camels here there would be no men it is curious how the desert brings out character hassanine became so vague that he never finished a sentence or an action i developed a fatalism wholly at variance with my usual ideas yusuf showed signs of pride and dignity between his plump laziness abdullah became reserved and impressive as the dunes that guard the holy oasis but mohammed shows the finest qualities 
all the arabs were courageous with an enduring quiet heroism that we were to appreciate so a few days later but muhammad was infinitely kind and his pride was a fine clean thing bred of silence and religion he made a vow never to ride and kept it through the infinite pain he smiled when certain death was but a few hours away he forgave without words a carelessness that nearly cost him his life he labored unceasingly to make everyone else comfortable and the only time i ever saw him lose his calm aloof patience was when his follower omar had been slighted by the soldiers as for the blacks they were a mixture of children and animal when they suffered they were sulky when praised they were immensely pleased their ideas germinated simply and slowly and were impossible to dispute they were alternately brave and cowardly but had no endurance until faced with hopeless danger on which occasion they showed a rather splendid and wholly unexpected patience and fidelity we nicknamed the opposing camps the black bears and the shepherd kings after their first bad dispute which took place on the second day little abdul rahim simply had not the physique to walk thirty or thirty-eight miles a day so we were not surprised when he silently climbed on to a camel but when the fat maraja and various others followed his example i made violent protest unfortunately yusuf joined in calling the soldiers slaves this fired the fuse and for a few minutes a fight seemed imminent the corporal seized his rifle and mohammed pulled out his big wooden pistol by this time however i was an adept at pouring oil on troubled waters and after plentifully applying praise to both parties the atmosphere became calmer thereafter however there was open hostility between the two camps we camped at seven near a group of camel skeletons the bones of which our own camels reflectively sucked it was the only moment in the day that zainab and hawa were in evidence for they cooked the arabs evening meal over a few twigs of wood brought from the neighborhood of butterfall all through the long march two little shrouded figures wholly enveloped in coarse heavy blankets huddled motionless silent on the camels they never looked out of the folds they never spoke even to each other i wondered if they ever thought of anything in particular yet one of them by the strange chance of a night's fantasy might be the mother of the future all-powerful Sheikah Sanusi. In Islam, only paternity counts. Be the mother slave or princess, the eldest son inherits. On December 28th, we got away at 7.40 and had to march for 11 and a half hours before we had done 46 kilometers. The first day, the camels had made a good average of over 4 kilometers an hour, for there was no temptation to wander in order to graze. But the second day, everyone was tired and cross, and it was difficult to make the men drive them in a straight line. The third day, the blacks' feet began to blister. My own foot was swollen again. It is very difficult to walk for any length of time in the huge heelless slippers. Hassanayn and Yusuf were both limping, and Maraja could not keep on his legs, for all the veins were inflamed. I was so tired I could hardly smile, but luckily the unexpected distribution of a bag of dates encouraged the retinue a little 
the mirage distorted two tiny heaps of stones into a couple of hills and yusuf playfully built the last camel skeleton into an original shape with one leg lifted high it was not till i had laughed at its fantastic kick that i noticed the human skull that crowned it one had to divide one's attention evenly between the two camps if one walked for an hour with abdullah and heard how our opponent's agent in jedabiah had tried to bribe him not to accompany the caravan and how the said agent had subsequently received the beating he deserved one had to devote the same amount of time to conversation with Maraja on the glories of the sudan and the prowess of her soldiers it was no easy task keeping everyone cheerful during an eleven hours walk on no food or water in the evening after we had eaten our half ration of meat and a handful of dates for we were carrying the least possible amount of food a pathetic procession used to rob us of much-needed sleep we treated blistered and swollen feet headache from the sun toothache from dates sores fever and lots of other ailments before we were allowed the peace of our flea bags very comparative fees for by this time we were suffering seriously from sand rash december twenty ninth saw us en route at six forty and by ten o'clock abdullah stated that we had arrived at the wadi farag personally looking at it from every angle i could not see the slightest depression of any kind but everyone said it was halfway so spirits rose high nevertheless it was a trying day for by this time nearly everyone was lame mohammed could hardly keep on his feet but he doggedly refused to ride the blacks used to walk on half a mile in front of the camels then lie on their faces while their companions stamped on their backs an original form of massage abdullah picked up a piece of ostrich eggshell dropped by a passing caravan from wide eye seventy years ago there were ostriches here he informed us with doubtful accuracy what did they eat i asked oh food much food he answered vaguely there was a short shower in the evening which interfered with the cooking but provided a little extra water we were very anxious about our supply for the first day one of our fanaties had leaked and the blacks had availed themselves of the excuse to empty it during the night we used to arrange the gerbas outside our tent and dole out the water ourselves several of the new gerbas leaked badly and in spite of the utmost care we thought everyone would be extremely thirsty by the seventh day we ourselves drank one cup of hot coffee in the morning and two cups of cold tea or water at night we camped that day at six ten p m december thirtieth we started at seven a m and camped at six thirty five p m it was a terribly hot day and the camels were nearly as crocked as the men one had cut a foot and another had a raw shoulder two had bad sore backs so their loads had to be divided among the others in spite of this some of the soldiers had to be allowed to ride for their feet were badly swollen the country had changed slightly for faint waves of sand had marked the neighborhood of the wadi farag but the flatness of the disk was now unimpaired though its yellow monotony was broken by patches of dark gravel this gave the mirage a chance to build ebony hills and islands amidst its blue shifting waves 
December 31st, we started at 6.30 a.m. and walked till 7 p.m., doing 46 kilometers, because the situation had suddenly become very serious. The previous day, Abdullah had surprised us by insisting on a slightly southeasterly course, as he had not yet seen a small landmark on the Zegan route. When we had talked the matter over in Jallo, he had assured us calmly and strongly that he had been to Taizerbo and knew the route. We had cross-questioned him severely, and always he had been confident of being able to guide us to any of the southern oases, though he had urged us not to go to Busima on account of the danger of being attacked. Now, according to our map, it was 350 kilometers from Butterfall to Taizerbo. It was generally stated by the Arabs to be a seven days journey, which was a daily march of 11 to 12 hours at an average of four and a fraction kilometers an hour. Therefore, in spite of Abdullah's change of direction, according to the mileage we had done, we should have been well within the oasis that night. We had confidently expected it the previous evening when we noticed a certain vagueness about our guide. Don't talk to him or he will lose his head, said Mohammed on the sixth day. It is looked upon as a definite disease like fever, this losing the head on the part of the guides. It was extraordinary to see the change in the Bedouin's face that day. The whole outline of his features seemed to have become blurred, while his eyes were restless and troubled. He stooped as he walked, and kept asking if we thought he was going straight, so that by the end of that day we had to direct him by the map, which we had every reason to believe inaccurate. It must be remembered that while we always knew roughly where we were, we never knew where Tizerbo was. We started half rations for the camels on the 31st and tried to cut down the water rations still more, though since the gerbas had begun to leak, we had dispensed with a half cupful for washing. New Year's Day dawned gloomily. We had two half feeds for the camels and barely enough water for two days at less than a pint per day per person. We were, however, a little cheered up when, as we were loading the camels, Abdullah pointed out a faint blur to the east and said it was Mazil, some hillocks he had hoped to see the previous day. On clear mornings, about an hour after dawn, when the desert is very flat, a mirage of the country about a day's journey distance appears on the horizon. For a few minutes, one sees a picture of what is some fifty kilometers farther on. The Arabs call it the country turning upside down. On January 1st, the seventh day of our march, we saw this mirage for the first time, brushwood and hillocks quite clearly to the south, yet our guide turned deliberately west of it. My camel was ill after his unaccustomed date feeding. Hassanine was in great pain from his blistered feet. A permanent north wind, warring for a week with a burning sun, had implanted rheumatism in my right shoulder. The firewood had given out, and there had been a sharp quarrel between the blacks and the Bedouins on this account, each accusing the other of using more than their share. Abdullah kept on his southwesterly course for a few hours, and then began to wander slightly. The blacks wanted to beat him. Even Mohammed was impatient with him. We steered almost due south. Hassanine had to ride all day, and Muhammad's eyes were bloodshot with the pain of his feet, yet he struggled on. 
that night there were no fires in the camp and i fully expected abdullah would be murdered however when i woke before the dawn on january second i heard him laughing so hoped he had recovered his head we dared not start till the country had turned upside down and revealed to us what lay in front so we occupied ourselves in finding our exact position according to our map we were now within the borders of Tizerbo. this raised the problem of whether it were one consecutive oasis or whether it were possible to go between two groups of palms without seeing either at eight a m the mirage showed us one sharp dune very much to the west i wanted to go straight there hoping by sunset to be able to climb it and have a good view of what lay beyond but both abdullah and Maraja insisted that no such dune lay anywhere near tizerbo if we go as much west as that we go straight to hell said the guide decisively with the ever-present danger of going beyond tizerbo into the uninhabited western desert it was impossible to argue with only one day's water and no fodder we dared not risk everything so boldly but i there and then made up my mind that tizerbo was smaller and much farther west than is generally supposed i believe if we had gone to that dune we might have reached it at that moment a thick icy mist came down and blotted out everything so i decided to go south for five hours in which case according to jallo information in our map we should have gone right through tizerbo and possibly be able to recognize some landmarks near busima it was a terrible walk everyone knew that humanly speaking they were going to die of thirst within a day or two nearly everyone had blistered feet and no one had had enough to eat yet everyone laughed it is evidently the will of allah that we die said faraj politely but no one will die before sidi abdullah i doubt if the guide heard he trailed along with a blank dispirited stare first edging west then east mohammed was tottering on swollen feet i think that i would rather die beside my luggage he said placidly doubtless abdullah and yusuf would like to wander about to the end but i do not know this country hamdalula and it will be quick thereafter everyone spoke of death and i was amazed at the way they calmly accepted its advent the only thing that stimulated them was the demise of the guide by allah sidi abdullah shall go first and show us the way said the toothless one when i am certain of death i shall shoot him said charky firmly but he called you a fool yesterday reminded faraj this worried sharkey for a moment then he cheered up i will call him a fool first and then i will shoot him he said amidst this cheerful conversation the mist suddenly lifted and revealed nothing but the same flat pale sand devoid of faintest shadow of grass or brushwood to give hope of an oasis it is amazing how desperation affects one that morning asinine could not put his foot on the ground but when he realized that his end was imminent he walked for eight hours without feeling pain mohammed also forgot his ills and i found myself wondering how soon i should awake from this realistic nightmare when our southern course produced nothing but fanciful blue lakes and pools for a burning sun now added to our woes we took counsel and ignoring abdullah 
decided to march east-southeast till water and camels gave out. There were several chances of salvation on this new bearing, we thought, for we might hit the most easterly end of Tizerbo, if it were anywhere near its map position, or we might find ourselves in the recognizable country south of Zegen, or among the dunes near Busima. We supposed these places to be too far away to reach with the camels, but if we could get anywhere near, we could send a messenger for help and lie down to await his return. We knew there was a little water in the tins of vegetables, and we hoped that if we kept very still, this would keep us all alive for an extra day. It was a terrible afternoon of mirage. I do not know whether weariness had affected our eyes, but on every side we saw hills, dunes, brushwood, and always they were the same dark patches of gravel. It is a simple route to Tizerbo, had said the Kaimakan at Jallo, but one mistake means destruction. Had we really made the one mistake? Curiously enough, I felt no anger against Abdullah, even when he suddenly acknowledged he had not been to Tizerbo for twenty years. In fact, an odd fatalism had absorbed us all. The Bedouins began discussing other disasters on these terrible southern routes. One man had died within fifteen yards of the water he had failed to find in time. Another, whose water had gone bad on the Kufara route, had been found dead beside his camels, one of which he had killed for its blood. The blacks took an impersonal interest in these gruesome tales while they walked on with stolid calm. I gave them our last bag of dates, but warned them it would probably make them very thirsty. They replied with extreme cheerfulness that they did not want to drink in the least. They were really splendid that afternoon. They sang and laughed and cheered each other on. Little Abdul Rahim stalked on ahead with a grim smile, his rifle over his shoulder, his weakness forgotten. The only really dispirited member of the party was Abdullah, who trailed along at the heels of the caravan with downcast head. Once, when a low rise appeared to the south, he walked briskly toward it in hopes of a further view, but returned an hour later more gloomy than ever. The hot midday hours dragged along intolerably slowly. I did not feel very thirsty myself, but we had all drunk so little lately that our skins had become extraordinarily dry and parched. Our lips and gums were cracked and sore. The camels had had only a half ration of dates the previous day, and nothing that morning, so they were ravenous. They tried to eat the stuffing of the baggage saddles and ran to every dark patch of stones in search of grass. At 3 p.m., some faint dunes appeared on the southeast horizon. We expected Abdullah to recognize them, but his demoralization must have been complete, for he showed no interest in them. Yusuf and Maraja began speculating as to whether they could be the Hatia, which ran between Zegan and Tizerbo. If so, there might be vegetation on the farther side, and the mystery of our position be solved. Nearly everyone ran on ahead and only Abdul, Hafiz, and Omar were left to drive the camels, who were stumbling badly. It was their ninth day without water, but this mattered less than the scarcity of food. For an exhausting hour, everyone struggled along at their best pace, limping, wavering, with parched mouths and bloodshot eyes, 
before which danced the tantalizing sheets of water and cool dark mirage hills suddenly yusuf who was on ahead flung himself on his face and embraced the earth afterwards executing a wild bareheaded dance during which we waved his long kufia on the end of his stick we rushed to join him and found him lovingly stroking a little mound covered with dry brittle sticks it is brushwood hatab he said simply inshallah there is more beyond two other mounds appeared shortly with a little coarse green shrub over which the camels fought and struggled till the last scrap had disappeared by this time sunset was near and we had to force our unsteady aching limbs into a run to reach those elusive dooms in time to catch the clear far view devoid of mirage that always comes at sunset it was a pathetic race of the halt and the lame in which hassanine and i were out distance we saw the others clamber up the dune we saw them stand gazing eastwards and then we saw them sink motionless in silent groups i think at that moment i felt our death warrant was sealed i turned hopelessly to my plucky companion it is no good they would have danced if it had been the hatia yes they would have made a noise he said dully we crawled up to the top of the ridge a series of wavy curling dunes running northwest to southeast expecting to see the same level monotonous country that lay behind us instead we were amazed to look down over a few lower dunes to an entirely changed track on every side were uneven mounds and hillocks covered with decayed scrub leafless and brown but a few hundred yards in front was a cluster of huge green bushes we could not understand the apathy of the soldiers who were dejectedly rolling pebbles down the slope surely there is water there i exclaimed impatiently wallahi but that abdullah does not know said faraj he says only that it is not the zegan country as i ran down the dune the camels literally rushed past me to that patch of green but they did not eat apparently the great feathery bushes were not fodder and the only other things among the mounds were a couple of skeletons to which the hooves and chest pads still clung this place is el atash the thirst said abdullah suddenly there is an old well here but its water will kill you it is salt and bad at the time we were obliged to rely on his statement but since then i have discovered that he was entirely mistaken the water at el atash is brackish but quite wholesome and the well can be dug out at any time it is only filled up with sand because travelers never come there unless they have lost their way and are driven to the disused well by thirst Elatash. there was plenty of brushwood so we built enormous fires to cheer ourselves up but we could cook nothing without water the blacks ate macaroni dry and the arabs tried flour though we offered them our tinned meats the soldiers had a cupful of water each but the bedouins had none so we had to share our last hoarded bottle with them we dared not eat our meat ration because of the salt so we sucked malted milk tablets and eagerly drank the water from some tin carrots which were cool and damp then we tore up the baggage saddles to give the straw stuffing to the camels for we thought we could manage one more day's march by riding the morning of january third was misty ripples of white fog blurred the landscape 
while we silently loaded the camels using blankets tents anything soft as pads to support the panniered luggage we ate a tin of spinach because it was wet but it was a hollow-eyed procession that started due east along the hatya in the hope of hitting one of the wells in the neighborhood of zegan abdullah had held out many hopes the night before but now all he would say was inshallah we left elatash at seven thirty and toiled laboriously round the small mounds which looked so oddly like graves three green ones gave the camels a little respite but there was no sign of the gerds dunes that generally marked the presence of water the whole retinue spread out in a straggling line across the horizon marching east and every faint rise was passionately scanned and discussed at last mohammed said if you cut my throat now you will find not one drop of blood referring to the arab idea that when a man is in fear of death all the blood in his body rushes to his head it is time that sidi abdullah dies said faraj firmly his finger on the trigger and then of course the unexpected the impossible happened and a faint dark blur appeared on the horizon i have no recollection at all of the next two hours whether i walked or rode or ran i do not know what happened to the others i have no idea my whole being was concentrated on those green mounds which continually vanished and reappeared until at last they consolidated at two thirty p m into a few clustered palms and some garrets covered with stubble i remember tottering down a hollow and seeing some nude black figures madly scooping up sand and then a silent little group crouched pitifully on the edge of the freshly dug pit that meant life or death the water came very slowly for they had chosen a bad place in their hurry but it came oozing through damp sand the first muddy pool brought all the primitive emotions to our hearts joy relief gratitude too deep for words an hour or two later life had become normal again and the deepening water brought us only the idea of a hearty meal and a bath in the biggest receptacle in the canteen i wonder how many readers will understand the tale of those three days because being lost in europe means merely an appeal to a map or a passer-by but in libya there is often no well for several hundred miles and perchance two caravans a year or none at all a few just a very few will comprehend quiet men with tired keen eyes an italian after whom a tripolitanian gebel is named half a dozen frenchmen scattered over the great white desert south of imsala any australian who has been bushed without water and certainly one or two englishmen in strange sunburned corners of our ruthless empire we camped near the largest clump of palms within sight of the blessed well and all afternoon i lay on my camp bed with my zemzamaya beside me drinking every few minutes and when i could not drink any more i would shake it now and then to hear the delicious clutter of the water inside in spite of all this joy we were not really out of the wood yet for the hatia contained practically no forage the camels were all feeble after their long journey and the fast at the end of it they had to be driven here and there from small bush to smaller tuft it was a laborious business for our tired men and i had to leave my water bottle once or twice to see how matters were progressing abdullah and abdul hafiz were very anxious that night 
for the camels would not drink properly so we tore up some straw mats soaked them and gave them to the beasts i wanted to try them with rice but adul hafiz said they would die if they ate it our guide had recovered some of his calm when he realized that we were camping at el atash in the zegan district at least a day and a half to two days journey east of the elusive tigerbo i was delighted when i understood this for fate was obviously giving me a chance of accomplishing my old desire of travelling to busima by the uncharted route which had tempted me at jalo i explained this to the retinue and was met with blank dismay they wanted to go to zegan and then safely by the caravan route to kufara they assured me that busima was most dangerous that a particularly savage portion of the Zuya tribe dwelt there and attacked every strange caravan at sight. I gathered that while Kufara is a large and imposing group of oases round the Bilad of a holy Quba, a big desert market and the center of the whole Sahara trade, besides being the headquarters of the Sadducee government and the sacred headquarters of its religion, Busima, although very sparsely inhabited, is also to a minor extent a business center for caravans from wadai and jalo visit it there is no zawiya there and no government official the zuyas fiercely assert their independence and refuse to admit the complete authority of the sayeds in order to avoid paying taxes and money though they pay great respect to the sanusi family and to their wishes they have never seen a soldier within their boundaries and on no account allow a stranger of any race or sect to enter their country if they do not kill us in the oasis said yusuf dolefully they will lie in wait for us outside among the dunes and murder us on the way to kufara i said that i thought we could massacre a few zuyas first but even mohammed was frightened it is a bad country he remarked why did not Allah allow us to reach Tajerbo in safety? There is a Zawiya there, and I have heard of the sheikh, Sidi Mohammed. His brother was with me at the Jagabab Zawiya. I asked about the tribes in Tajerbo, and was told that it was the second largest oasis, but unimportant and sparsely inhabited, that many of the date trees belonged to the people in Busima, that there were a few tibus and some zuyas of whom the larger part were sanusi there are different parties there said maraja but they are all good people nas taibin beyond taizerbo is a country of fighting no stranger may go there there is much danger if we escape the busima people we shall fall into the hands of the tibus of ribiana or of wandering Turig bands in spite of these gloomy prognostications I pointed out that the camels certainly could not go five days to Kufara without food, and that I had no intention whatsoever of trusting Abdullah's ideas as to the location of Taizerbo. Instead, I made the guide and Maraja each draw his idea of the famous Gebel at Musima. They both outlined in the sand a long, low, square-topped ridge. Very well, I said firmly. At sunset, we will climb to the top of the largest gird here and see if we cannot locate that mountain. Having once and for all put our decorative but useless map out of our heads, we were able to reason out that Tizerbo lay to the west, ran northeast and southwest, and could not be more than 25 to 40 kilometers in length, while I pinned my faith to due south for Basima. 
the desert had nearly killed us in her most ruthless mood but when we mounted the sandy gird and saw the red splendor fade into cold mauve and gray of the sand while the evening star blazed as if it were a drop of liquid flame in a sapphire cup we forgave her especially as due south just exactly where instinct had suggested to us a faint black ridge rose low and square over the horizon i took some bearings for fear of mirage and ordered an early start next morning in spite of wild protestations and appeals as a matter of fact everyone was so tired that we did not get off till seven thirty the camels groaned plaintively and continuously refusing to rise from their knees i had insisted on filling girbas enough for a four days march though abdullah had said it was only two and with no saddles it was difficult to balance the packs on rolled blankets and canvas all that day was a weary succession of changing loads when one camel sank wearily down and refused to move we dragged off his load and placed it on another no one rode however blistered were his feet some of the blacks had raw toe joints but we dared not risk the camels further after about three hours we left the little mounds and sparth sticks of the hatia and the unbroken sands lay in great flat waves before us we stopped at the last moment to pick the brittle wood for our evening fires and then marched on steadily till six p m the gara of busima appeared suddenly at twelve thirty it looked like a solid black ridge on the horizon but we knew it was more than a day's journey away the camels wandered and lagged and stumbled i doubt if we did more than two miles an hour in the afternoon the sand waves developed into hard dunes low and round-backed we could no longer make straight for the black mark in the distance but had to swerve eastward to avoid the higher dunes about four i thought the camels could not go another step several of them lay down at the same time but somehow we got them to their feet again chiefly by dint of song the reiterated refrains of the sudanese had a great effect on the weary beasts but never had the barracking cry adarian we have arrived at the house o sequins sounded more welcome it was the cool pale hour that precedes night when we encamped in a great hollow among white dunes the stars were triumphing over the last glowing rays of the sunset and the mysterious mountain that had fired my imagination for so long lay violet-hued and sombre to the south next morning january fifth we again started at seven thirty and plunged immediately into the maze of dunes great curved hard-backed ones with a few soft patches in the hollows into which the camels sank protesting they walked rather better than the previous day in spite of a continual series of ascents and descents perhaps it was the sight of the strange sinister ridge in front coal-black against the surrounding white sand perhaps it was the very cold south wind which blistered our faces as we moved into it at any rate at twelve thirty we arrived at the mysterious gebel which had first appeared as a solid even ridge with a flat top and then it added to itself a sort of squarish sugar-loaf hill at each end and now turned out not to be a ridge at all but a chain of cliffs some square some roundish but all of sombre dull black stone with faint reddish patches 
to my eyes uninitiated into the byways of geology it looked like a vast volcanic eruption for passing east of the main body of the hills we entered a veritable inferno of desolation right in the middle of the white curly sand dunes lay a tract of about eight kilometers of scattered black stones their brittle sheets of ebony matter stood up in lines it looked as if all the old slates in the world had been flung in careless piles in this dreary region experts later informed me that the black stone was nubian sandstone impregnated with iron and manganese nothing volcanic at all the other stones were sandstones of lighter color fossilized wood and flints for two hours we stumbled and clattered over this blistered black waste picking up specimens of as many kinds of stone as possible and then as we clambered up a rough bank between two of the somber sheer-cut hills the long line of busima palms spread before us with a thin silver strip of lake real water no mirage that had seemed to be but a fable of jedebiah imagination till we reached the stony track by the gara we had marched in a very businesslike formation three soldiers ahead the camels in the middle and scouts flung out on the highest dunes while everyone had a rifle or revolver ready abdullah himself a zuya had mocked the blacks with look out you soldiers for now you are coming to the land where men fight and therefore every slave was a thirst for battle and revenge end of chapter seven